in a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the CE Raider podcast. It's your host, John Mayetta. I'm going to talk a little bit about GE today. They've been in the news quite a bit. Stocks traded off 40 plus percent this year. Swapped out Jeff Emalt, so the new CEO as of this summer, who's also now the chairman as of October 2nd. I want to spend a little bit of time. What I'm going to do is read the Wall Street Journal article because I don't think this one is free. I think this one's premium. So I'll read the article, which talks about GE's board shakeout. And I'll just give you sort of my take. And maybe we'll start with the conclusion. How about we do that? So my conclusion is GE first needs to figure out what business they want to be in. And that comes from the CEO. Doesn't even have to share it with the board. He just needs to be clear in his mind where he wants to take the company. What businesses do we want to play in? He comes out of healthcare. So healthcare, healthcare IT, technology's been been a big push. He wants to get out of some of the old quote-unquote industrial businesses. So once you define for yourself, and I mean literally for yourself in the case of CEO John Flannery, once you determine which businesses you want to be in, then go bring in board members that can help you achieve that vision. Not so much operationally, obviously. They're, They're board members, but just people that you can bounce ideas off of that may have experience in a particular industry, that may have experience with a you know, a, a discrete issue, but you want to bring on people at relevant experience. And so my board, let's say we had, you know, five different industries we wanted to play in. I would pick board members who had experience in those five different industries. And I would have a mix of insiders versus outsiders. And I'd probably more heavily weight it to insiders. So here's the article. The struggles at GE will claim half of the industrial giants, 18 directors. An unusual shakeout that shows the depths of the problems that developed on their watch. The house cleaning will remove many long-term associates with former CEO Jeff Emalt and create a board that is more closely aligned with CEO John Flannery's strategy to streamline the industrial giant. Last Monday, Flannery said he wanted a smaller board, quote-unquote, with some new members with key skills relative to where the company is going. Okay, that makes a whole lot of sense. And you can see this isn't always par for the course with boards. I would say unscientific study, just based on my observations, my experience, most boards are comprised of members that oftentimes don't have relevant experience to the industry in which that company is in. And it's for sure the case that most board members aren't insiders. And most boards that I've looked at recently, other than the CEO, don't have one insider on the board. That's the case with GE here. Other than Flannery, the eighteen, the other remaining board members of the eighteen, none of our insiders. None of our insiders. Back to the article. The revamped board will have twelve members, including three new ones. The board hasn't decided which incumbents will lose their seats. In recent years, the board added the CEOs of Verizon Communications, Qualcomm, Qualcomm, which is now you know, in all the M&A talks in, in the semiconductor space, a former chair of the SEC and the dean of NYU's business school. The board hasn't decided which incumbents will lose their seats. Just to go back to that sentence, it just sounds like, you know, obviously it's going to be a highly political process. Who do we kick off? Who do we keep on? Why do you need a telco guy on there? Why do you need a, a semiconductor guy on there? You're going to play in semis? It's not a space I'd want to be in. Oh, he's our tech rep on the board? Well, go get someone from software. Get Andy Jassy from AWS. Get Jeff Bezos. Get, get, get somebody from one of the platform companies, Amazon, Facebook. 
Google. Back to the article. Global corporate icons like GE represent attractive purchase for potential directors. Yeah, exactly. Let me get on the board and boost my career. I have nothing of value to add to the board, but it will look good on my resume. Pachiers of the one-time industrial bellwether have plunged 42% this year. Earlier this past week, the company slashed profit targets, cut its dividend by half. Prompting investors and analysts to question the board's oversight of management as the company lost its way. Look, as I said earlier, a, a, a board is there to add value at the margin, be a sounding board for the CEO. But if, if you're an investor or a sell-side analyst or an academic or uh, somebody who publishes articles from the Wall Street Journal, if you think a board is there to babysit the CEO and they're, and they're deeply ingrained in the operation, you're sadly mistaken. And that's not what they should be there for. The board is the board. They're not operators, nor should they be operators. If they want to get involved in the operation, join the company. You're an employee. You're on the payroll. You report to the CEO. You don't get to kind of play in the operations and you know flit in and flit out and, and wreak havoc. You're on the board advising. So I don't know what the Wall Street Journal thinks you know boards do and what their role is, but it's not as active as they would imply here. The fact that the board got us to this point where in an industrial macro upcycle, the company can't meet its financial obligations is rather astounding, said Scott Davis, an analyst at Melius Research. Kind of a throwaway comment. Mr. Flannery, who took over as CEO on August 1st and chairman on August 2nd, said he expects executives and directors to debate and challenge his decisions. The same culture I want to have inside the company I want to have on the board as well, he said. Look, I can't push back much on that without having had a discussion with Mr. Flannery. I like his words, but I would say, you know, you wrestle these ideas to the ground with your with your team. You present them to the board. Hopefully the board engages in, in discussion, has feedback. But if you're looking for sort of a 50-50 contribution between your team and the board, it should be 80-20. I mean, your team is there to run things. Let them drive 80% of the value and the board can you know, add the remaining 20% of value. But if you're looking for sort of an equal contribution, then I think you as CEO, or your, your priorities are out of whack. Boards really go through an overhaul, except after a proxy fight or a merger. And even then, most directors typically keep their seats. About half of S&P 500 companies didn't appoint a new director this year, according to a proxy analysis by Spencer Stewart, an executive search firm. It's highly unusual even for a few directors to depart at a given time, said Dennis Carey, a vice chairman of recruiter, Corn Ferry International. With such a significant shakeup, it's difficult to pick out who goes. Who cares what's usual? Who cares that there's been little director turnover this year? Frankly, a lot of these board seats are like political seats. There are term limits, or there are fixed terms, rather, in which then boards have to get reelected. I would like to see forced, forced turnover with certain board members. And hey, if some guy's wonderful, he's on the board, and it's time for him to go under my forced methodology, bring him on as an advisor. Nothing says you can't talk to so-and-so after their term is up. But my, my, my point is some of these board members, they play the board game as a, as a second career, and they don't add value, and they're just dead wood on the board. So if you had some mechanism for, for force turnover, forcing people out after one term, two terms, whatever, I think it would keep things fresh. But these people who make a career of sitting on a board for 15, 20 years and, and then multiple boards at that, it's a joke. 
Shrinking to 12 members will bring GE closer to the typical big business. U.S. companies with market caps of at least $10 billion have an average of 10.9 board members, according to a 2017 survey by the National Association of Corporate Directors. Since 1977, GE has had a meeting of 16 directors. Look, I don't care what the average is. And this, so much of financial reporting is the, the, the tail wagging the dog. Hey, we've always done it this way. You know, the, the lawyers, I mean, it's ruled by fear. We've always done it this way. We've always phrased this part of the, the 8K this way, this part of the 10Q this way, this part of the 10K this way. If we change it, the SEC is going to raise an eyebrow, da 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 da, da. They, they let fear govern their actions. Same thing here in terms of uh, the, the mean number of board members on a company. Who, who cares? I would say less is more. You don't need 19 people on a board. Hell, if three aren't adding value, how are 19 going to add value? I'd say less is generally more, but I don't care what the average is. If I'm CEO of GE or CEO of any public company, I'm going to have the number of board members that I think is right. And when I go into building my board and begin that process, it's not going to be... How many board members do I want, ideally? It's going to be, who do I want that I think could add value? Okay, there's six people. Six people. I want six on my board. It's a function of who are the people. That's how these boards should be structured. Who are the board members that I want? Who are the people I think could complement my skill set and advise here and there? 12 sounds like a lot. You know, going from 18 to 12, good, but what, you know, why is 12 the right number? Oh, we don't want to do too much at once. We don't want to. I'd really like to have nine, but and then the, the journal wraps up the article. They, they, they list GE's 18 board members, none of which are an insider other than uh, Flannery, the CEO. And then the way the journal looks at it is, is, does this particular board member have industrial experience? In, in, industrial, quote-unquote industrial, is not a space. It's not a sector. You know, there are companies we, we think of as sort of being an industrial. Power, turbines. You could sort of think of transportation like rail, for example, as being, quote-unquote, industrial. But what would have been helpful would have been, you know, get in front of Flannery for the Wall Street Journal. Have an in-depth conversation with him about where he wants to take the company. And they, they just had an analyst day not too long ago. I wasn't there. But what are the, the, the specific industry verticals? Not just the, the broad industries, but what are the specific industry, industry verticals that Flannery wants to play in? And then if you want to do this analysis on the current board, just show which board members have experience in those industries. And nowhere does the, the, the table that the journal has talk about whether or not a a particular board member is an insider or an outsider because they don't think that way. You know, this was the, you know, having a, a bunch of outsiders on the board was the sort of the cool thing that was pushed by academia, I want to say around 02, 03, 04 during the Sarbanes-Oxley, Enron, stock options backdating, when all that stuff was going on. And by the way, you thought that you would think that Backdating stock options, you, that you committed murder. The way there was a witch hunt for, for CEOs. Oh, we had to fire this guy because he was CEO when there was stock options backdating going on. It's like the, the whole freaking tech industry was doing it. Uh, but, but, but back then, you know, Jeff Sonnenfeld over at Yale, who's highly overrated, 
and a bunch of other academics were pushing to have outsiders. And the pendulum swung so far, now you can't find insiders on any boards other than the, the CEO. And as I said earlier, I prefer a mix, and I prefer a mix that's weighted toward insiders. Have people who are employees on the board, and they say, well, John, I, you know, moral hazard, I'm just going to fall in line and do what the CEO wants because you know, their compensation packages are at stake. And I would go back to GE and uh, Jack Welsh when he used to have a, a bunch of insiders on the board. And they were, you know, largely the board was largely comprised of his senior team. And these were executives that had comp packages worth, you know, fifty, hundred million or more in compensation, primarily with stock options. And his rationale was, hey, if I say that we're going to go, you know, I want to push in this direction, and they think it's a dumb idea. They are encouraged to speak up, and they do speak up because they know if we go down that path. And it is a dumb idea. They don't want to see the, the value of their options get cut or become worthless because they just nodded their heads in agreement with what I wanted to do, knowing it was a dumb thing to do. So they called me on it. So there is no perfect solution. It's just my school of thought. I think insiders and outsiders, it's good to have both on the board, and it's better to have that mix weighted toward insiders where people have their compensation at stake. See you all next time.